0: I think it's entirely appropriate that we've been focusing on food since we've arrived here at the farm. But for very apparent reasons, it's time for us to focus a little bit more on how everything looks around here. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence.
1: It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of October 11, 2012. I'd like to focus on how things look around here, as you put it, because we have built a lodge, of which we are proud, but the area around it, let's face it, the way I've been characterizing it has been War zone, construction zone, Armageddon. I mean, <laughs> it looks pretty bad. And and we have some earth moving that, that others will have to do, people with heavy equipment, before I tackle it. But I want to, when we do plant around that, um, to pay attention to an overall design scheme so that I'm not just willy-nilly putting in you know some plant that...
0: I know, put a tree there.
1: Yeah, and, and then have it, come up and be too big and have to be moved later or cut down or have something that, you know, deer like to eat and they're nibbling around. So it's going to take some careful planning to do this. Well, I realize that I, I'm i not very well equipped at this point to um, to make that kind of a design for our lodge or actually our whole surrounding campus where we live. But I can be. It started when we took our Master Gardener class in 2011, and we um, had a, one unit out of how many ever there are, you know, three months' worth of courses. One lecture was on landscape design, and very well delivered. Carrie Smith was our um, speaker, presented it well. I enjoyed it, learned a lot. But I also, it, was, it sort of whetted my appetite. It's like, okay, that's just the beginning. If I really want to be able to do this... I've got to get some more instruction. So, what I what I'm learning is that it's possible to do landscaping in any number of ways. But my focus is going to be on what we're calling landscaping for subsistence, or sustainable landscape design, right. um, and that's something I might be pursuing more in the future. Right now, the immediate 800-pound gorilla in our room here is <laughs> that lodge and how to how to deal with several issues one is just the way it looks like you were pointing out but also um, erosion control that's a big one for us Um, and as I mentioned we have um, it's not fenced in so deer could graze up there if they wish and then uh, finally I want to make sure it's not something that would attract snakes or other unhappy surprises to those who might want to um, step out into the into the garden And I
0: probably need to step in here and say, probably for the past six months or so, you have been pointing out the need for us to deal with this. And each time you bring it up, I have been cringing inside because I have this image of landscaping as very expensive and very time consuming, very needy for maintenance but you have attempted to convince me that we can do it in another way. Yes. That and is, that's um, focused on very limited maintenance and frankly focused on very low cost, which is um, encouraging to me.
1: Yeah, and that's something that um, over time it may just be, have to be a gradual unfolding as we find ways to add um, a feature or um, a plant or a set of plants to the landscape as they become available at either free or a good price (laughs) Um, or being able to use and transplant what we have already existing here. Um, But one thing I, well, let me just back up and tell where I went to receive my instruction. Um, The national garden clubs sponsored a, um, there's actually a series of four workshops that you can actually get continuing education unit credit for. Um, to receive, ultimately, uh, for many their their goal is to receive landscape design certification. Um, I don't know whether I'll do that, but I ended up taking one of the courses. Actually, it's the there's a rotation of them, and I'm I started in on the fourth course, so I need to go back and pick up the first three, and I'd like to uh, when they're offered. They're offered all over the United States, but I was fortunate enough that that. This particular one last week was offered in Auburn, which is 40 minutes down the road from here. So I um, took the course, the two-day course, and um, we'll just kind of be on the lookout for when that group comes back to Auburn, when that is offered. At first, I didn't think I would take the tests or anything, and I'll get into that more later, but I ended up really liking it and um, want to pursue it more. So what did we focus on? We focused on first of all something I found interesting the history of landscape design didn't know much about it but and I, and I haven't really gotten the ancient history it, we, we sort of started in at World War II to the uh, present um, and so I think in the other courses I'll go back and I'll pick up you know much earlier approaches but um, there's and actually I already own the textbook I had to buy the textbook that's used for all four courses for the the course number four. So I can be reading that anytime. Um, I enjoyed that. But what was particularly interest, uh, I guess, applicable to our situation here was a lecture on contemporary approaches to landscape design. Because I, like you, I had begun to think, oh, when I thought of a landscape designer, I thought of um, first of all, maybe a little bit of what we had done when we lived in Birmingham. We decided to pay Andes to come in and fix some right. erosion issues. They added a French drain, nice functional uh, part, but also some points of interest, some some um, uh, shade-loving plants because we had a lot of shade. They those people knew what to do, and of course, I just had to put myself at their in their hands, pay them the money, and they selected the plants, put them in, looked great. Um. I guess I thought of that type of approach, along with some of the gardens I've seen, which, quite frankly, are lavish and um, have a lot of, you know, it, well, I taught at Sanford for 20 years where, you know, the annuals are seasonal. They're put into the landscape. They're removed seasonally and replaced with others.
0: Maintained so, by a phalanx of little gnomes with exactly. trowels and yes, little little Cushman vehicles running all over campus. They have a
1: budget for this. I don't have that kind of a budget. So um, what I found when I listened to the lecture and read the book on contemporary landscape design is there is a renewed interest now in what I'm calling sustainability, sustainable landscape design, where you you use some native plants. You try to keep it um, low maintenance. There's no such thing as a no-maintenance landscape. That's one of the watch words that I took away from the course, but you keep it as low as possible. You try to use water from, um, natural, you know, from God given sources like rainwater. And you and I've talked about rain barrels or a cistern system, something like that, that enables us to do that as much as possible. Um, use, I think I mentioned using native plants, using, <clears throat> um, plants that, um, are drought tolerant, and certainly plants that are suited to whatever the landscape conditions. For example, if they're going to be in the shade, you choose the right plant for that. If they're going to be in full sun, you choose the right plant for that. Which quite frankly, right around the lodge is pretty much full sun. So I know what my marching orders are there. Um, and you, there's, there was further um, emphasis, in addition to what I learned in Master Gardener, on do a plan. Come up with a plan at the beginning and you know, let that guide you. It's not to say you wouldn't change something along the way, but you don't just ad hoc your way through it. You have a plan that you design from the beginning and you take into account what size those plants are going to be at maturity. That's another thing. We, we had some great exercises that we did in class when, you know, you talked about, well, somebody put a Burford holly or some big plant that's going to be huge in a little tiny space. And uh, of course, later, you're just very, <laughs> sorry you did that. <laughs> so um, I, I'm looking forward to, to being able to take the challenge. And believe me, if you could see our um, hillside up there, it is a challenge. And to do what I can to make it, even if it's years in coming. Uh, we also want to make sure that uh, whatever we do fits within our goals. As we've talked about before, most of our property is woods and we want to leave it woods. We just want it to be natural. We do have this, what we call our kind of core campus area that ing- involves the lodge, the barn, on down to the pond, our veg hill, our orchard, that we want to be able to easily move back and forth from one area to another, and I want it to be not only a pleasing-looking environment and one that you can flow, you know, walking paths and that kind of thing naturally, but also a landscape that attracts um, beneficial insects and pollinators and that kind of... Well, those are beneficial, but beneficials either that pollinate or that... And or, I suppose, that um, keep control over some of the um, the pests in the environment. So... That's where we are. Now, I've got to mention one other thing that happened in the course, and that was we had a bonus lecture from um, a professor at at Auburn, Dr. Wheeler Foshi. He talked about beneficial insects. Well, a lot of those insects, they were somewhat familiar to me because they are insects that you want in your vegetable garden. And I know a lot of the people in the class weren't there to hear about vegetables, But I was, I mean, anytime I can hear about, you know, natural means of pest control in the garden, I'm I'm all ears. And he did a great job of relating it to how these insects would affect ornamentals. But, you know, I'm sitting there taking notes on all that. And he gave us a couple of websites to visit that, um, and maybe we can just put the link to those on the show notes page so people can visit there if they want to know more about beneficial insects, both for, um vegetables and for um, ornamentals. We had fun in the class. Um, We took tests, as I mentioned, and um, I did well. I made an A, so not that they give letter grades, but I was real proud of myself at my age, taking a new course um, and thinking, okay, I might pursue this more in the future and not have fear that um, I can't learn something that's completely out of my comfort zone at this point in life. as I've, we mentioned earlier, we're going to focus on low maintenance, as low a cost as possible, sustainable, long-term, um, sort of an in, in endurance, but, but also dealing with certain uh, issues that we have such as erosion because of the, the hilliness of the, the area. Um, we did, as a group, make a visit to sort of a field trip to a local house in Auburn that had beautiful Very expensive, lavish landscape design. They had some of the same issues we do. It was on a hillside. They had to deal with erosion. Um, And even though, and it definitely was not sustainable. I mean, you know, they had a a ground, you mentioned a phalanx of ground workers. They they had people who came on a regular basis to tend to it. Um, Sure, there was a lot of watering involved, a lot of trimming, you you name it. Um, But I still learned something from that. A few things that I can do, and a few things that either because of it didn't work for me when I looked at it, or in terms of appearance, or it requires to, so much maintenance, I can't use. But it was fun, enjoyed it, great people in the class. So um, I would take, I look forward to taking the other three courses in the series.
0: And I guess the exciting part of this for us is that in our pattern of always teaching always learning this is a completely new skill that you are learning and we hope to be in a position to begin to teach to others
1: yeah and one of the things that one of the uh, lecturers said that gave me hope is that you don't have to be an artist to do this it's more science than art See, she said she said if you do if you do have artistic skills that's all the better and, you know, my thing is, I'm vi- as far as the visual arts, I'm not an artist. I don't have that artist touch. But she gave me hope that, for the most part, I can master it with what I do have.
0: I so. would agree. I, I think the art part of it is probably overrated. It's really a matter of figuring out what works and will, yeah. you know, be the right size, be the right color, um, have the right root structure down the line. Exactly. Well, we had said that um, in addition to covering the landscaping, we might want to update folks a little bit about Veg Hill 2.0 and how that's going.
1: It's going um, well right now. It is. <laughs> we have
0: had a wonderful time of productivity here, thanks to my brother Tom and his help. Uh, we now have four 16-foot by 4-foot beds built, which given the the curiosity of our the the way we're approaching this, We're numbering 13 through 16, Um, even though they're the first four beds built. They're the last four in the numbering sequence. Um, And I guess one of the interesting things we have had, we've been reminded of as we did this, is Veg Hill, although it looks more or less level, is not flat.
1: No. Those beds, um, we need to take pictures of this when all is said and done. You'll see the, the land sloping. And that slope is accentuated in your eye now by the fact that you see these beds sort of sticking up completely level. And I'll talk in a minute about what I've planted there. But it the, the flatness of the beds has made it so much easier to plant, Absolutely. transplants as well as seeds. I so. think
0: we will be pleased with the way this is going to change the way we grow um, we have four beds built, but only three planted. Why don't you tell us now okay. a little bit about yeah, what you planted there? Yeah, and we'll, we'll
1: continue with the fourth one um, a little bit later. But we have three of them filled with soil that we purchased from Froggy Bottom. Um, we have put in, or I have put in, the um, first of all some plants that had been languishing out there from when I bought them about a month ago, waiting to be installed, and they are now and looking pretty good. I've got rutabagas, collards. Um, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, broccoli, um, some kale. And then um, what I did, I I picked up my handout on companion planting, which I'm a big believer in companion planting because of just the fact that plants, you know, kind of look out for each other and they'll grow well together and either complement by one adding nitrogen to the soil while the others maybe use a lot as in beans, putting in nitrogen, corn, using it, Um, or pest control or whatever. So anyway, what I did was I went back in between some of the plants and put some seed in for, for example, turnips in amongst the, you know, one of the brassicas and um, some carrots and some, uh, I will put some radishes out there. That's the one I haven't done yet because they actually have a little bit longer Window to be able to plant them. The others okay. I was kind of rushing to get them in. Um, I've I've planted some seeds for parsnips. How well though I've never had any luck with those germinating before. We'll see. Um, I put some um, Swiss chard, um, just different different kinds of little n- plants that I think I can go back and thin and and let them live amongst the other larger brassicas.
0: Well, um, I think we probably want to add those to the database. We will.
1: Oh yes. We'll we'll have that in the database. Remember I told you I've got to get my seed packets out and figure out exactly what I planted. I see. Okay. (laughs) Well I
0: should point out that the Longleaf Breeze planting database is back. Yay. It's never been absent on the fruit side. The fruit side has stayed current. But the veg side we really have we've been bad and we have not updated the database. Uh, During this last year, but uh, with this season, we hope to resume our regular updating of the database, both for your purposes and for ours. Yes. To keep track of what's doing well and what's performing the way we'd like for it to. And
1: there's one other type of uh, seed that I put out that I've never tried before, and that's artichoke. Um, Should work, but you know we'll find out. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um,
0: Well, we have a lot to discover. at your request, I did a sort of a hurry-up, patch-it-together job of drip irrigation on the first three beds so that we can begin watering them on a regular basis even before we get all That's right. built out yeah, and planted those out. Yeah,
1: little newbie plants really need frequent watering.
0: So they are getting a regular uh, dripping now, and, th- and they should be um, in good shape. The approach we're taking to drip irrigation on these raised beds, remember they're 16 feet by four feet wide, and what we're doing is putting three lines of drip tape in each bed. So we have 16 feet long and three of those lines in each bed. So there's a pretty good bit of watering coverage in each bed. Yeah,
1: and I could see when I was out there finishing up the planting yesterday, I could see where the watering had taken place. And... It's good coverage. I mean, it, lo- it looks really good. So,
0: and what's interesting is that um, where even though we are watering pretty completely in the beds, as I calculate it, we're going to use be using a whole lot less water than we were using on Veg Hill because yeah. there's just less territory that we have to cover. And I've
1: planted a lot more intensively. Yeah. And again, as all as always, we tend to experiment. We'll see how well all this works. Um, I may end up having to space plants out more in the future. We'll just see how well they do uh, this way. But And I know we're just about to run out of time, but let's just mention that our plans for the future, maybe next week, is we'll begin construction of our next row of beds. Right, because, which will
0: be uh, beds 9 through 12, yeah. and we'll be working our way back to the east.
1: Right, there, because pretty soon I should be taking delivery of some garlic and uh, some perennial leeks and that kind of thing that will need to be set out. And um, then before you know it, it'll be start, time to start with uh, winter planting like onions and oh, potatoes. So, um, so we have an exciting time ahead of us. I'm thrilled about the way these beds are working so far. Uh, the collards, the first plants I put in are growing very nicely. Um, so we'll keep you updated about that. And hope you have a great week. We'll catch up with you next time. You've been
0: listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.